You are listening to the 3CR podcast of Psychedelia. Psychedelia is broadcast live every Sunday from 2pm. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. For more information, head to 3cr.org.au. In Psychedelia on 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital, uh, and streaming at 3cr.org.au. You might also be watching a snippet of the show on our YouTube channel uh, where you can subscribe and get little bits and pieces of extra content with a with an added visual dimension, which is not required because it is first and foremost a radio show. Oh, and also podcast, Spotify, iTunes. You can find us uh, there or subscribe just by heading to the 3CR website. So everything that you hear is all of the information. There's just extra bits if you feel like uh, engaging with that visual dimension. Uh, Freedom of Species was the show that you just heard before us if you are listening live on 3CR right now and you can find out more about them at the website. Uh, Just follow the links to the program page where you can find lots more information about Freedom of Species and about all the other shows that are on 3CR. Um, It's been quite the week, uh, well, quite the year for 3CR programmers. Um, Just uh, brushed up on my 3CR media law uh, this week, which was uh, good to brush up on and remind myself where the lines of uh, things like uh, defamation are and what you can and can't say. Um, And, uh, you know, it's important things to... uh, to remember. Um, I don't think we ever crossed those lines. We're pretty careful with those lines. But, um, what you know, one of the uh, important things is uh, with broadcasting, especially with um, us broadcasting here on 3CR, is that we, we do uh, take a closer look into stories that might be a little bit controversial. Uh, so knowing where those lines are is really important because we want to be able to skirt that line uh, sometimes to get the information uh, to you that uh, you might otherwise uh, miss. Um We talk about uh, drugs on this program, so it uh, can be quite a controversial topic uh, at times. Uh, It's a a broad and complex topic. There's a lot uh, of of bits and pieces of it, and it's been an interesting year for that as well uh, this year because uh, a lot of the the policy discussions have been slowed down. Uh, The way that people uh, take drugs uh, has changed, especially in terms of those who take drugs in in party settings or in social settings, uh, because despite um, the rhetoric that I I haven't heard for a while, but generally drug use is referred to as antisocial, when most of the time it's anything but. Uh, A lot of drug taking is actually pro-social for the people that are taking them, and we want to be able to talk about uh, those narratives. And I'm not suggesting that you should go out and take drugs if you're not a social person. You can make up your own mind for, for yourself. And, and drug taking is still illegal. There are still risks involved. And we want to talk about what those risks are and talk about what's going on in the world. Uh, you can get in touch with us on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, uh, which I vaguely have access to in a secret way uh, now. So you can find us there as well. Um, on the program this afternoon, uh, ja- Jack Ravel, who is the um, editor of Drugs Wrap, a weekly newsletter covering drug issues from Australia and around the world. Uh, you could subscribe to it at drugswrap.substack.com. Jack, welcome. How are you? Hello, hello. Yeah, I'm doing uh, pretty well. Um, happy for it to be the weekend. Uh, been a busy week this week, but yeah, a lot going on and, and yeah, it's been it's been going all right. Uh, and if you are missing bits uh, in, you know, uh, you've got your hit on Friday of of, uh, of of drug news, and you want more drug news, uh, and you're on Twitter at drugswrap is the handle to follow, uh, so you can follow along there. 
Let's get into the first story, this one from ABC News. Uh, pandemic fuels new cocktail of drug use in South Australia as border closures disrupt ice supply. Jack, what's going on in South okay. Australia? So sort of like what you were talking about at the start of the show there, um, drug pattern usage behaviour has all been changing um, over the course of the pandemic. And in South Australia, the ABC have done a bit of a longer read here about those changes, um, basically showing that because people with you know drug dependencies, normally relying on um, methamphetamine uh, coming in across the border, those borders obviously being closed because the pandemic, they're not able to get that. And so they're turning to other drugs like cocaine or prescription drugs. Um, there's also been a spike in GHB use and alcohol as well. And I think it's, a, it's an interesting story because it kind of shows that in these limited settings in which you can eliminate potentially the supply of, of drugs, that people are still going to use drugs and that they, they might not be able to use the drugs that they want to use, but they'll find other ways to use drugs and they'll find other ways of getting access to them. Um, potentially, they might not be as safe as, as the sort of traditional methods in which they might acquire them. Um, in that report, their police are saying that they're seeing a lot more of these sort of home manufactured drug labs popping up, producing for the demands of the local market. Um, people who maybe haven't produced drugs before, maybe not making it in such a safe or reliable way. So I think it's an interesting way to explore drug use, given the current circumstances, give, you know, that we, we, we are able to shut down the borders in, in this way that wouldn't be practical otherwise and seeing what effect that that has on, on drug use and drug users. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the the best example for the fact that you you can't stop drug use is uh, looking at somewhere like Russia or even the Philippines, where drug use can lead to a death sentence uh, by secret death squads in the middle of the night from Rodrigo Duterte. Um, still, people take drugs. Why would somebody take drugs rationally um, if they knew that death squads could be turning up? And it's because um, we are not rational creatures, uh, and approaching drug policy as if we can, um, you know, punish people into the decisions that. Uh, that, that governments want them to make has never been a way to solve issues, uh, which is why we like to talk about other ways to solve those issues. Uh, budget funds commercial carver import, scre- uh, in- import scheme uh, from governmentnews.com.au. Yeah, so this is kind of an interesting one. It's pretty uncharacteristic, I think, of the Liberal government who are, you know, historically quite conservative in their approach to drug policy. Um, Carva is a plant which is very popular in the, in the Pacific Islands. Um, it's a, it's a, something that you can chew or, or mix up with water, and it's um, apparently quite similar to maybe alcohol, and it kind of has a relaxing effect. Um, people might drink it instead of tea. Um, and it's, it's something that there, there's quite strict importation rules around. Those have actually been loosened over the last couple of years. So when Scott Morrison was over in Vanuatu last year, he announced that he would be relaxing those importation laws around Carver um, in a bid to sort of increase regional trade, um, which is you know kind of what the government does when they when they approach drugs. They go, well, if actually there's a money making opportunity here, we might uh, maybe go for that, but. The way the way in which they're they're putting this money into broadening access, it, it could it could mean that we could see things like carver bars opening up in Australia, which is something they've got over in the Pacific Islands. And um, yeah, it could just be quite an interesting development. I think that's huge news. Uh, that's the first I've heard about that, and that is. That's incredible, uh, especially for um, the the sort of ethno botanical community, the uh, the plant uh, plant heads out there. Um, I've never even heard of something like this happening, apart from for 
the obvious, alcohol and tobacco, obviously those those sorts of plant-based drugs, uh, being hops and tobacco, um, uh, get a, a lot of support from government and a lot of support from, uh, you know, there's a huge industry around them. But this is... Wow, that's very interesting. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that one to our attention, Jack. Um, in the age, uh, drivers using medicinal cannabis could get green light. Yeah, green light. They love using this terminology around <laughs> medical cannabis. Everything like, oh, it's got the it's got the green light. It's got you know, it's sky high. This whatever it is. But anyway. Um, as as we're all pretty well aware, the drug driving laws in this country are um, they're not very specific and they're not really fit for purpose. The drug testing equipment that they use is um, it's way too delicate and it will detect cannabis in your system when there's no chance of you being impaired by the use of cannabis and. Interestingly, medical cannabis users, people who are you know legally allowed to be taking medical cannabis, which which might not be and probably isn't, you know, just smoked cannabis. It's it's often um, tinctures or or you know pills. Um, they are not exempt from those drug driving laws. So if you've got a condition, you know, like a long term pain condition in which you need to be taking medical cannabis every day, you're going to have cannabinoids in your system which would not maybe impair you for driving, but it will show up on a drug test. And those people, if they get pulled over and drug tested by police, um, they'll potentially go to jail, lose their license, you know, a whole range of things there. And the Victorian government is actually approaching their drug driving laws and looking to overhaul them um, potentially next year. And there's a big sort of debate going on right now. And there's there's some consultation um, being being drafted uh, with MPs and, and police and doctors. So that's, um, yeah, good, good news and positive, positive change, I think. Really positive news. And we're going to be exploring that issue a little deeper with Fiona Patton, a member of parliament uh, for the Northern Metropolitan Region in the Upper House uh, and also leader of the Reason Party uh, a little bit later in the program. Uh, here she is quickly just talking uh, about the announcement. I'm pleased to say that the, that the government, um, while they didn't support the legislation yesterday, what they did support was um, a working group to implement that policy. It's, again, it's not an if, it's a how which is uh fantastic news so um you know it's an issue that's been close to me for a while um and as we'll talk about later with fiona um these are small steps but small steps in the right direction and small steps eventually add up which is good news now um as we as this is being broadcast on sunday new zealand's election was yesterday uh but this from benzinga.com how new zealand will vote on cannabis is anyone's guess as election day nears Right. So obviously a bit of an issue here because we're recording this on Friday. It'll be going out on Sunday. The election is is tomorrow, which is Saturday. Um, the New Zealand election also comes with a non-compulsory uh, referendum or two non-compulsory referendum questions. One's over uh, euthanasia laws um, and one is over cannabis legalization. Um, that vote has been obviously scheduled for a long time. It's non-binding. So it actually just means that if it gains majority support, the government, whoever's going to be in power, which is likely going to be Labour under Jacinda Ardern, um, they don't actually have to implement that new law, but they probably would. I mean, they'd be obligated to. Um, and it's it's not actually going to be announced, I think, until the 30th. So, so they'll be counting the votes of the actual election um, Saturday night, and and you'll you'll hear the results for that. So you'll by the time you're hearing this, you'll already know the results of the New Zealand election, but you won't know the results of the referendum until the 30th of um, October. So 
as it stands, the the vote yes and no is pretty pretty evenly split, and no one's really sure exactly how it's going to go. Um, there is some suggestion that the yes vote has kind of been losing a bit of support <clears throat> over the last few months. Um, with people kind of not really sure that um, this is the right way to go about it. Maybe they're approaching things too quickly. Maybe they should go for a decriminalization approach first. Um, you know, a lot of the health experts in the country have come out in favor of it. Um, you know, a lot of younger people, a lot of Maori are very strongly in favor of, of these changes. Um, whereas, like, you know, a lot of more conservative, sort of older people are, are less in favor of those changes. So it's all kind of to play for, and we're going to be following that over the next few weeks, certainly as, as um, news or indication emerges over, over what the result could be. Um, highly recommend if you are on Twitter as well, looking up uh, Julian Buchanan. Uh, he is a, a, a voice of, he sort of sees through what's what's going on and, and won't go along with the, the sort of um, uh, the tide of hype, which can be something that, that really grabs you and, and pulls you out um, if, you're, if you're not careful around all drug issues, especially things like uh, cannabis uh, legalisation uh, around the psychedelic renaissance and things like that. It's very easy to get bubbled by all these fantastic sounding articles and not sort of have a realistic vision of what's going on um, and he said he, he wasn't surprised there in, in the article uh, that um, support has actually dropped uh, according to some polling for the measure. Uh, I can't remember his handle but look him up, Julian Buchanan on Twitter uh, over to bbc.com drug deaths, surge in fatalities of female cocaine users Right, so kind of depressing story here, particularly for me being from the UK. Um, <clears throat> Office of National Statistics, they do a survey each year um, reporting on drug deaths, and they've shown that drug deaths in England and Wales have reached their highest level for 25 years. Um, I'm not sure why Scotland is not included in that, because Scotland has far and away the highest drug death um rates in i think europe it's it's like shockingly high and it's and it's just gone pretty much through the roof over the last 10 years under the conservative government who is still in power um the statistics showed that i think three uh, 4393 people died in england and wales from drug overdoses last year which is which is only an increase of 40 uh from the previous year um but it's a continuation of this trend we've seen year on year it's it's getting worse and and the government's really not doing a huge amount to tackle it um and i think the more kind of surprising story here is that um cocaine deaths which have been increasing every year um they've risen 7.7 percent for men as of last year, but for women, it's been 26.5% increase in, in drug, drug related deaths due to cocaine. So kind of a jump. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just a bit of a depressing story, but, um, that's kind of the reality of, of the drug policy situation in the UK. And um, finally, to the US, uh, latimes.com, Mexico is poised to become the biggest legal marijuana market in the world. Who will most benefit? Right. So this is a quite interesting story because it's been going on for a couple of years. Um, two years ago in Mexico, the Supreme Court ruled that a, the, a national ban with, on, on cannabis was unconstitutional. And it gave the government until the 15th of December this year to rethink those laws and, and restructure them, basically meaning 
you're going to have to legalize cannabis or you're going to have to bring in some new measures that will much more widely um, make it sort of available to people. And I thought what was kind of interesting about this story, it's a bit of a deeper dive on, you know, how Mexico would change because of those changes. Obviously, everyone knows that um, the drug war situation in Mexico is is pretty wild and, and there's a lot of, you know, death and violence across it. Um, one interesting technique that, that's come out of this or that I've seen here is that these Mexican activists have actually planted a garden of cannabis outside the Mexican Senate and are sitting there tending their garden and smoking cannabis, forcing, you know, policymakers to walk through this cannabis smoke as they go to work um, in an effort to like kind of keep pushing them on that legislation, um, which I think is pretty funny. I'm not sure how that would go down in Australia, but um, it, would down. An, it would be an interesting technique. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's, it's an interesting story. And in a couple of months time, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. That's uh, that's amazing. I have heard of uh, uh, guerrilla type uh, uh, tactics being used by some uh, cannabis activists uh, in Australia in the past, where people have uh, have have grown cannabis, um, uh, but. It's it's so quickly ripped out. And the only other thing that's comparable that I can think of is at Nimbin's Mardi Gras last year, um, there were a bunch of cannabis uh, plants on display, but they were from uh, the uh, somebody who's accredited as a medical cannabis um, supplier. Um, it was a, uh, a sort of scientific display only, and it was behind... There, there was quite a bit of um, security, I suppose, because there would be quite a lot of regulation to, to have those plants out in the public. But it was quite interesting just to see, you know, um, cannabis plants so... Um, clearly displayed. Uh, the newsletter is Drugswrap, uh, drugswrap.substack.com in your inbox uh, every week. Um, Jack Ravel is the editor behind that. Um, Jack, thank you very much for getting us up to date with all that's going on in the world. Well, I mean, not not all. There's always a lot more, but with a good <laughs> summary. <laughs> yeah, I try and fit in as much as possible, but, uh, you know, can I do my best? All right, all the best then. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio 855 AM on digital and online. 3CR Radical Radio. Support local music during these trying times. Uncomfortablebeats.bandcamp.com for some Melbourne-based beat uh, collating and creating. Uh, This one is Tane with something special uh, from the EP, which you can download from there. Um, And it's the title track from that EP, Something Special and Psychedelia on 3CR. My story begins one morning in the woods. The sun is peeping through the trees and the birds are beginning to
Isolated? Quarantined? Need some essentials but can't leave the house? Or just having a hard time dealing with everything at the moment? Queer Aid NAM is a new mutual aid group of organized volunteers. We're here, we're queer, and we've got your back. Whether or not that's how you identify, nobody should be suffering because capitalism or the state didn't provide what they needed. That's why we're working to strengthen our communities through solidarity. Put in a request for help and we'll match you with a volunteer in your area who can either pick up groceries or other essentials for you, help you run errands, cook meals for you, or check in with how you're going. If you or someone you know is having a hard time, or if you want to join the volunteer list, find us on queeraidmelbourne.org or search for us via Facebook. COVID-19 Queer Aid Nam Melbourne. So tell your family and your friends and don't forget your neighbours. That's queeraidmelbourne.org, a 3CR supporter. Housing for the Aged Action Group has gone digital to help stop the spread of the coronavirus, but we're still here. If you're over 50 years old and having problems with your housing, we can help. If you're having trouble paying the rent, problems with your retirement village manager or concerned about your caravan park, give us a call on 1300 765 178. We can also help connect you with aged care services and emergency relief if you need it. Stay safe, everyone. is in psychedelia on 3cr 855 am 3cr digital and 3cr.org.au or you might be watching along on our youtube channel in which case hello and please hit the subscribe button um and we have with us today across on the zoom panel uh fiona Patton, member of parliament member of the legislative council uh, council for the northern metropolitan region uh also uh my member but um oh actually she is yours now ash you moved recently as well ash blackwell also here um but you are still in the northern metropolitan region region i believe or are you oh testing his knowledge oh i know who my local member is i haven't actually checked what region i'm in i'm in carlton who uh alan sandell you're then you're yep you're in my team you're in my territory if there was another one that was close in but it's good to brush up on these things especially since it is council election time as well and i i've i've got all my all my council contenders uh, on the leaflet, and I'm not going to read that. I'm going to read, look up all of their names. I think I'm just going to work backwards, find if any of them are rubbish first, uh, and then not yeah. vote for them, and then the rest can have a, a you know, whatever. So don't forget if you are voting in the council elections to get that done because um, I think uh, across the state uh, it's by the 23rd of October. Is it everyone in the state that votes for council at once? It's kind of it is, and it's the first year that everything that it is all postal. So, yes, you must get your postal vote off by this Saturday. So make oh, sure to do that. Next Saturday? Uh, it will be, yes, this Saturday, uh, 23rd of October. It sounds like a Saturday. Yes, yep. Saturday. Um, so welcome, Fiona. It's good to see you. <laughs> yeah, nice to see you both too. Uh, and what a year it's been. Gosh, um, just, you know, before we get um, stuck into our uh, our issue, I mean, how, how has the, uh, the COVID year been, uh, f- you know, in terms of the Reason Party and, and just in terms of being a, a member of parliament? Yeah, I, look, I think for, for everyone, 2020 has been a, a pretty trying year. And for me personally, I had some property that was facing some pretty mega bushfires at the beginning of the year. So, 
you know, kind of started off the year at a fairly high level of anxiety and that kind of hasn't really stopped. You know, we've just kind of kept going. Um, So, yeah, so it's been interesting. And, you know, in the meantime, because I'm chairing the parliamentary inquiry into homelessness and I was doing the sex work inquiry as well. So just pivoting how you communicate with people and, like, this is okay. You know, it's probably better than a teleconference. But still, when, you know, that kind of when you need to talk to someone about a personal issue or someone's talking about their lived experience, not being able to sort of really three-dimensionally eyeball them or um, kind of pat them on the back or just, you know, look at them, it, it's, it's, proved, it's provided some challenges. It's provided some challenges. Yeah, we, um, but you know, two three, more months, eight more weeks to go. Eight, eight more weeks till what? Oh, 2020. Oh, yeah, but then we have 2021. <laughs> I'm not convinced that's going to be much better. Right, yeah, just bring on 2021. <laughs> uh, yeah, we had a um, Yarra Drug and Health Forum event for uh, International Overdose Awareness Day, which we've done every year um, for the past few years, mm-hmm. uh, and highly emotional events because um, people are speaking about usually their children who have been lost or, or friends or, or other family members, more than more often than not it's children, um, and we did that online. And, yeah, it's you just want to be able to hug somebody after they've just it's talked fine. about their child who is no longer here with us. And it's um, you're right, this is better than nothing. At least we have the, the technology. But um, mm. it's, yeah, there's a lot. I think yeah. um, uh, uh, all of Melbourne is feeling just a little bit... Um, a little bit more, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Fragile <laughs> than we were at the start of the year. Yeah, that's right. And you know, and and I think also the sort of the compulsory mask wearing, kind of getting, trying to be able to really read someone in the street or even in the parliament at the moment. So we're all in the chamber wearing masks, and you know, it's. Yeah, it's more difficult. I'm finding that, you know, I'm using a lot more intonation in my um, my voice to sort of, you know, e- e- express what my face can't. So in terms of um, uh, the Reason Party as well, how's it been managing a, one of the, you know, a, a minor party during this time as well, mm-hmm. which was always reliant and has always been reliant on social gatherings to, to build that, you know, that cohesion? That's right, and that's been really difficult. It's, I mean, it's been really interesting. We've, we've got, I think we've got about a dozen uh, uh, local council candidates. So that's that's been super, and they've been. But again, you know, they're they're not incumbent, so this is their. A lot of them, it's the first time they've ever, well, joined a political party, but and certainly run for election. So trying to do that without going out and meeting people in your electorate. <laughs> Um, is challenging and and how to, um, I guess, you know, give them the support that they need when really this is as close as I can get to most of the candidates. Uh, that's, that is proving to be challenging. Um, you know, certainly people are engaging with social media, but social media can be such a cesspit that it, it actually can turn people off because people, you know, get so worked up and angry on, and express themselves in the, the privacy of their of their keyboard and their and their ISO apartment. 
um, that things that they would never say to to fellow human beings, um, and that I think that's made it di- diff- sometimes difficult for people to even engage online. Yeah, I've been feeling more and more of that. I also had my uh, uh, Facebook account unceremoniously uh, hacked and then deleted 15 years of Facebook gone. And um, I thought, well, there's no, I'm, I'm not going to go and do that again. I can't really build 15 years back again. And if they're just going to, there's no way to talk to Facebook either. So when you run into a problem with social media, you're usually going to deal with an algorithm to solve that problem. And if that algorithm can't figure it out, um, then uh, that's kind of bad luck. But, uh, yeah, I, I guess that's, I mean, that's the other thing. Working on um, largely on social media, uh, are there any, any things you want to um, share with us about your experiences? Um, may, maybe some of the positive ones. Let's look on the bright side. Uh, what, what sort of positive experiences have you had on socials? I think um, certainly in some of our uh, parliamentary work that, you know, it, during the homelessness inquiry, we would normally hold these pub- we would hold these hearings at Parliament. They'd be on a Wednesday evening or a Thursday morning, and we'd have these in- incredible experts and incredible um, people come and speak to the committee. Um, quite often, a committee might even go overseas to see how other countries or interstate see how other jurisdictions are solving problems. We've had to do that all online. So we've been doing these these Zoom public hearings, uh, which are also recorded, so people can actually go back and watch them. And the the community engagement has been much bigger than it ever was when we were just doing this in the Parliament. And we got to, for example, we uh, Finland has found some really clever solutions to housing first models, and really they kind of like solved. homelessness um, in Finland. So we had all of the the organisations from Finland were on Zoom. So the general public could could hear what we would normally have heard behind closed doors. And I think that that was, um, that's been really terrific. And it's actually something that we won't change. And then, you know, I think we've, I think we've spoken about it before, but we've got our cannabis inquiry just starting and because we've moved so much more of this online, uh, we've had, I think at last count, we've had like 1,300 submissions. Again, huge. Huge. <laughs> yeah. huge. Yes. Maybe people have more time on their hands to, 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 to contribute. But, yeah, I, I think those are some of the positives that we've seen from Parliament and I hope some of the positives that, uh, we'll we'll maintain the things that the the good things that we've learned. Yeah, I think that echoes a lot of what we've heard from people we've spoken uh, with in the music and entertainment industry as well. Who, yeah. although obviously that that um, industry has been decimated by um, by COVID, there are some bright sides, and it is that um, mm-hmm. now some people can access events that were never able to access it. It's it's increased accessibility, um, not just in terms of physical accessibility for those that might have had um, uh, issues accessing events in, in a physical capacity, but also it mm. tends to be a lot cheaper. And I hope that in the future we do see, um, you know, events as well, providing perhaps a cheaper option where people can stay at home and stream um, and and still attend something that otherwise they might have missed out on. And it sounds like that's where we're going to head and, and hopefully it'll also improve our democracy. It has the opportunity to if we, uh, yeah. if we keep 
keep doing that. Um, Ash. Uh, yeah, I just thought maybe before we jump into um, the the bill that was debated this week in Parliament and the cannabis inquiry, it, it has been a while since we caught up on the show. So have there have there been any other movements um, related to drug policy, the workings of the Victorian government that um, you might like to update us on? Look, I think there's probably not a lot, and I think anybody who's listening to this show and certainly you two know, you know, Drug law reform moves at a glacial rate, you know, unless you sometimes get a run on. But, like, I think we're all looking with interest at the results of what will happen in New Zealand uh, with their referendum. Uh, that I think that's really probably really important for Australia. Uh, certainly we've got the cannabis inquiry. I think for, Victor- for Victoria also that we've seen seen a change in health minister. So we now have Martin Foley as our health minister as well as our mental health minister. And Martin has, and I think he's one of the few health ministers that I've ever met that has a deep understanding of harm reduction and has an understand understands it, gets it, supports it. And I'm I'm hoping that that Will, that will be very beneficial for us moving forward. Um, you know, of course, we've seen sort of the, the negative sides when we're, you know, thinking about vaping and, you know, the, the idiotic things that our federal health minister has been saying around vaping and, you know, trying to insist that chemists supply e-cigarettes or that only when, you know, someone's got a prescription from a doctor and, yeah, and quite rightly, chemists are saying, well, I don't know whether I want to supply e-cigarettes. I mean, I don't supply cigarettes, so, you know, why should I provide um, e-cigarettes or vaping products? So I think, um, you know, we've seen some madness, some some real madness and some real thoughtlessness and, you know, we've got some battle, we've still got some battles ahead of us. But in Victoria, I'm positive about the, the new health minister. I'm encouraged by the response we've had to the cannabis inquiry to date. Um, but you know, I, I know that we've we've still got a long a lot further to go on that. Um, you know, Oregon, I, I don't I happened to see Oregon's ballot today, so for our state of Oregon, and they're looking at regulating psilocybin. Um, and decriminalising possession and use of all drugs. So we're seeing another jurisdiction moving in that really good, really good and proper direction. So, yeah, some swings, positives, but but also, you know, we're seeing some madness at that federal level. Yeah. I, so I on the cannabis, um, sorry, you go, Nick. Oh, I was just going to say, I don't know whether by the time that this is uh, broadcast on, on Sunday, because obviously we are pre-recording at the moment, we're still not allowed in the studio, um, but there yeah. might be an, a result, in which case uh, we'll, we'll put that out on our social media. Uh, you can follow us on uh, Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, uh, and also find us on uh, YouTube. 3CR 855 AM, 3CR Digital and streaming at 3cr.org.au. The psychedelic is much more than the trip. Connect with the Australian community to benefit, enjoy and contribute to psychedelic culture in a safe and supportive environment. 
the Australian Psychedelic Society have chapters across the country. Find the others on social media, YouTube, or at psychedelicsociety.org.au. You can see that this country is covered in the blood of Aboriginal people, the length and breadth of it. Australia is a part of an undeclared war and a secret invasion, and it began 250 years ago this year. Now, we have a country that's built on lies, deceit, fraud, propaganda, and race hatred indoctrination. Now, it's been 250 years of us being oppressed in our own land, brutally. We might be oppressed, but we understand what freedom is, and we fight for it every day, and we've resisted this occupation since day one. And I predict colonialism, capitalism, imperialism is going to get knocked out cold by about mid this year. 3CR, your station in struggle and solidarity. To donate, go to 3cr.org.au. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio 855 AM on digital and online. 3CR Radical Radio. So there might be a result by now, but um, yeah, New Zealand uh, voted on Saturday, which was yesterday at the time that you're listening uh, to this. So fingers crossed, New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that is great news. And uh, yeah, well, anyway, we'll find out. Let New Ash- Zealand <laughs> lead Australia again. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, so I was just going to ask Fiona, um, what's what's next for the cannabis inquiry? Maybe if you could paint a bit of a picture of what the, the process looks like from here. To, to be really honest, I have not been rushing the cannabis inquiry. I have been really, I, I think, I, I've been wanting to see how New Zealand goes. Um, I've almost been also wanting to see how the US goes in their um, federal election because that that will have a big impact on America's drug policies at a federal level. Mm. And certainly we've seen some really uh, good messaging coming out of the Democrats around their what how they will approach um, cannabis in particular and the conversations around decriminalisation seem to be really growing um, over there. So the next step is we will start. We've, as I said, we've received um, as a twelve or thirteen hundred submissions. Uh, people can still keep sending submissions in while the while the inquiry is going. We'll still accept submissions. So if you haven't already put in a submission, please do. We can. We're also really happy to um, not list your name and address. So certainly remove that. So you uh, you can have that. And a level of anonymity or a level of confidentiality in that. And our next, um, the next step for it is to start holding public hearings. With any luck, once we start holding some public hearings uh, next year, we may be able to have some forums one way or another uh, because I really want the idea of this to be a conversation from people with lived experience and from cannabis users themselves or, uh, yeah, so that's that's really important in this. But we'll also have those organisations. So we'll also have the harm reduction organisations, we'll have the cannabis policy organisations, we'll be bringing in, um, bringing a lot of those organisations, the overseas organisations, 
we'll be having, you know, special meetings. I think we'll be looking at places like Canada, obviously, Colorado or Oregon, looking at some of the other country, other countries and jurisdictions that have taken on different models of cannabis law reform, whether that's a, a legalisation regulation model or a more, you know, or a decriminalisation model. So we'll be looking at that. You know, I've got a pretty mixed bag on that that inquiry. Uh, I've got some pretty conservative uh conservative Liberal members, got some conservative crossbench members, um, uh, some relatively conservative ALP members as well. However, I I do believe that we are coming to a time, I believe we're coming to a tipping point in, in drug law reform. I really, I truly believe that. And I, I don't, I, I don't know whether we will achieve, you know, what I've always wanted to achieve, which is a legal system, um, or but I do believe that that this will be, this won't set us back. That, that yeah. this will assist us to move forward, and you know certainly if we see if we see New Zealand move in the right direction as well. Um, I know New Zealand, New South Wales has got a cannabis bill um, in their upper house at the moment, mm. put forward by Kate Fairman from the Greens. Uh, so there's there's lots of different movement and um, I haven't looked at it, but I'm, I'm sure um, WA did an inquiry into cannabis as well. Uh, it was into yeah. drug law reform, very similar to oh, the one that you put forward. It was yeah. the broad drug law reform one, that's right. Yeah. Uh, but, yes, yeah, so we'll build on that 2018 drug law reform report that, that came out. Um, in the Victorian Parliament. So we, we're not going to try and reinvent the wheel there or we're not going to try and um, start from scratch as well. So this, for me, will be a layering on layering. And, you know, we the governments are move, governments are moving in the right direction. They're just moving at an iceberg rate. Well, actually, with climate change, iceberg's probably not the right, right, right term, but um, <laughs> they're moving very slowly, you know. I, I- I did notice in um, in New Zealand uh, a lot of the discussion. It, it was framed in a way that made me feel really positive about the debate there, um, because a lot of the pro cannabis um, spokespeople that were doing the media spots were talking about the fact that it's not actually a, a vote on whether or not you like cannabis. You can think that it's terrible. It's a vote about whether you want cannabis supplied by the black market and empowering criminals or whether you want it regulated with oversight. And I'm like, that's exactly the debate that you need to have. It's, it's a sophisticated message. And it, and I saw someone say, I think it was Helen, We I had the great pleasure of interviewing Helen Clark a few weeks ago. And she said, this is not a referendum about whether cannabis should be available or not, because it's freely available. It's about whether it should be regulated or not. And as you say, whether it should be um, sold by criminals or um, sold by someone who's paying tax. And, yeah. I, I also saw um, Sam Neill uh, of Jurassic Park fame, um, who is uh, strongly supporting that as well, uh, a New Zealand resident, I should say. Sam Neill, also a New Zealand yes. resident. Um, so go, Sam. I've just been watching a lot of Jurassic Park lately because 
I mean, I've probably watched a lot of movies lately, but um, you know, as you say, change is glacial, um, but it is changing or glacial, maybe not the right term. Change is, is, is slow. Um, yeah. But um, on the Victorian inquiry into drug law reform, which was released in 2018, one of the things uh, that was a, a recommendation was a, a review of our drug driving laws, uh, something that I'm personally passionate about and also personally affected by or had been uh, personally affected by. Um, and there's some good news this week again it's slow slow uh change and small change but it is change um uh, so and it's something that you've um that's a success for you so congratulations fiona tell us about your success this week uh, uh thanks thanks nick yes uh, you know and, and and like you it's something that um i have been um really motivated to want to do something about and i think it, again it, it's in small steps now you all the listeners to this show and, and certainly you and I, we don't need to talk about the fact that we are testing for a mere presence of a substance rather than impairment due to that substance. And and Australia is kind of a, a, a alone on this. We're one of the only, I think we're pretty much the only jurisdiction that only tests for presence and doesn't test for impairment. Every other jurisdiction tests for impairment. And New Zealand has got probably a slightly hybrid model there um, or will have in January. So here we put up a bill to say that for medicinal cannabis patients, for those that have got a prescription to medicinal cannabis, um, they it should be a defence to uh, to a positive test for THC that they had a prescription for THC uh, and that they weren't impaired at the time of being stopped. Really simple, you know, why should medicinal cannabis patients be prohibited from driving 24-7 when patient, patients on every other medicine don't have those same prohibitions? You know, you're told don't drive or use heavy machinery when you are impaired by the product, but when you're not impaired, then you're free to go and live your life as, as well as you can. So we saw it as a very practical position and I'm pleased to say that the that the government, um, while they didn't support the legislation yesterday, what they did support was um, a working group to implement that policy. So they have agreed that it will be implemented, and we now have um, a, an implementation group, and that will include um, a cannabis prescribing doctor, uh, will some road safety people, and some some police. Um, I, and and I'll be involved in that working group as well. But it's not about it's again. It's not an if. It's a how. Which and is it's fantastic not an, news. Yeah, it's not a whether. It's a when. So this this is actually about saying no. This is completely unfair. This must change, and we can do it. Um, you know, there's still everyone saying. You know, the police saying, well, you know, what if they have a medicinal prescription? medicinal cannabis prescription, but then they use it recreationally as well. So, Goes for any other drug. 
What if they do? Test for impairment. They have the ability. Victoria Police can test people for impairment. There is a test that they can do and there is a charge which has nothing to do with the drug driving charge, which is all about detection. They're two different things. And, and and this is the problem that we we have this sitting there, but it's even more of a problem for the four thousand or so people who are legally prescribed medical cannabis yeah. in this state, and and can still. I suppose the comparable thing would be if somebody is prescribed something like Ritalin or Dexamphetamine, a, a medical am- amphetamine, and they uh, turn up a positive result for methamphetamine, which is highly likely, um, or yeah, it's more likely to turn up yeah. as methamphetamine. Um, uh, my understanding is that it would be a defence for them. Is is there a similar thing uh, in there already or what? I've had a friend go through that process, Nick. Um, it was in New South Wales, but they, they did have to attend court and provide um, provide their, their prescription. And, uh, I mean, this was highly significant for them because they're a um, registered um, therapist. And so it may have affected their, their working ability to have a drug charge, you know, a- against them. And um, yeah, it was dismissed at court, but they still had to go through the process of um, court attendance and verifying that. Possibly if they had the prescription on them at the time, that might have made a difference, but it's exactly like what you're saying. That's that's absolutely right, Nick. And and certainly in speaking to to some some of the policy people, um, very high up policy people, they spoke about they actually used Ritalin as an example where there is a solution and it's called a doctor's certificate. And if a, a patient carries that doctor's certificate, then that is adequate evidence for the police as long as that person does not appear to be impaired. Um, In which case, so, impairment testing. Because yeah, even if you have medication and a prescription, you're not meant to be operating heavy machinery, of which a car is included uh, when you are impaired. What's really interesting in Victoria is that the Victorian government is really keen to build up the medicinal cannabis industry in this state. You know, they want Victoria to be a leader in medicinal cannabis cultivation, manufacturing. They see it as a real growth industry. But then they tie those companies' hands behind their back by, you know, making it difficult for people to be patients. Um, so if you can't drive, then if, you, if you're on Valium or you're on an opioid, you're finding that medicinal cannabis provides you with uh, the same relief or better generally, but you can no longer drive, then people stay on the other medications that they are able to drive on. And the government recognises that, that they you, know, you can't say let's support the medicinal cannabis industry, but let's make it really diff- difficult for their customers or their patients. So I think that's been, um, I was very encouraged that they recognised that. Uh, and it, it's a, it is a step in the right direction and hopefully it'll start the conversation on, on the fact that the, uh, the current test, the, the drug wipe, which is a specific device supplied by one company um, that does not, there is no scientific support uh, for that device at, at all correlating with impairment and hopefully we can start raising that issue as well. And if you log on to the Legislative Council website at parliament.vic.gov.au, I still have petition, e-petition number 117, 
117, uh, an inquiry into drug driving reform reform up. Um, it's going till January next year now because all the petitions have been pushed pushed out. Plenty more time to sign it. Um, and so if you are sitting there and would like to see a wider drug law reform, uh, a, a, wider, a wider drug driving uh, law reform, then please do get a signature a signature on there. We're up to 902 at the uh, time of recording this. So love to hit that 1,000 um, and get it get it a little bit higher. Um, yeah, so thank you, Fiona, for uh, for joining us today and getting us up to date on what's been going on. Ash, do you have any uh, any final comments, questions? Um, oh, maybe just two on the on the drug driving stuff. I think what Fiona was just saying about um, patients selecting Valium as an alternative to cannabis. Um, you know, surely an objective view from the government would recognise that Valium also shows up in crash statistics as a risk for, for driver impairment. So it's not like they're, you know, if, if, if they think that cannabis has the potential to impair people and their alternative is Valium, they haven't really saved anything in terms of, um, in terms of safety. That, that's exactly right. And I think, you know, I suspect that is going to come out in that working group. But, you know, with any luck, Nick, we'll, we'll get a, a, more, a, a more fulsome inquiry, as, as your petition is asking for, into, into to drugs and driving, where I think that exact point, Ash, will be raised, that it's prescription medications that possibly we've got, we've got, some, we've got to consider, around, especially around, around driving, um, and that not necessarily misuse, but the 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 impairment effects of prescription medication, which is possibly not fully understood by patients. Yeah, and I think that I mean it's a good good point to uh to probably end on there as well that uh, we're all passionate about having safe roads. I don't think there is anybody out there arguing for more dangerous roads or for people to be able to be free to be impaired on the road. It's just not a sensible argument that anybody's making, and I think that's that's really the the, the crux of the issue that uh, nobody wants impaired drivers on the road. And what we want is an effective system for finding who is impaired, not a system that is finding and punishing people uh, for their choice of uh, of substance when it has nothing to do with their capacity to operate heavy machinery uh, Fiona any 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 final things as well no that's that's very well put Nick and that's exactly right and you know we know that with greater education with greater controls you know certainly things like legalization and regulation uh, go a long way to educating people about you know about safe use of products which is much harder it's much harder to have those conversations as you and you two know all too well, so much harder to have conversations when you, you're talking about a criminal activity. Um, so exactly. when you're talking about something that's not criminalised, then it's much easier to have a conversation. Fiona, thank you so much for joining us on the program today and getting us up to date and um, look forward to seeing, seeing this change. Again, small changes, but they're adding up. They're starting to yeah, add up. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Thanks. See ya. They are also allowed to break into your phone if they have a reason to do so. And what we end up with is a surveillance state. What we end up with is multiple government agencies that have legal powers to surveil you when you have not been proven guilty. The underlying tenet of Western law is that you are innocent until proven guilty. What we're moving to is suspicion is enough to take away rights in order to build a case towards guilt. And that's not a legal framework that we agreed to.
3CR, your station in struggle and solidarity. To donate, go to 3cr.org.au. In Psychedelia 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR digital, 3cr.org.au. Head along to the website and if you are somebody who is capable of doing so, support what we do and support uh, all the other programs here on 3CR uh, by making a donation or becoming a supporter. Uh, Just on the website, when you're there, just head to supporter or head to uh, donation. It can be a regular contribution or it can be a one-off contribution uh, depending on what your capabilities are. It helps to keep us on air. It helps to support all the things that we do. It helps... uh, to do things like um, the uh, uh, last week uh, I was speaking about earlier, uh, we all had a uh, brush up on media law training. Very important, especially uh, because a lot of us are often covering rather controversial issues. Uh, my name's Nick and this is just about all we have uh, for the afternoon. Um, but before I finish up, I just want to point you in the direction of Symposia. That's P-S-Y-M-P-O-S-I-A. Dot com. Uh, friends of the show, friends of ours, uh, Symposia are, f- are from the US and are all about um, taking a uh, more community-focused look at psychedelics and psychedelic issues. And uh, one of our um, close friends of the show, David Nichols, uh, has uh, put out an article this week, Psychedelic Media Should Stop Parroting Corporate Press Releases and in the vein of AOD Media Watch, uh, who like to uh, have a look at the kind of media reporting we have on drugs, uh, David uh, has had a look at the kind of media reporting on uh, psychedelics. And as I was talking about uh, earlier in the show, uh, media hype and hype around the psychedelic renaissance has led to uh, a lot of um, perhaps overblown or overstated uh, expectations of what we're going to see uh, from the psychedelic renaissance. Um, and, and one of the things uh, that is happening in that area is mirroring what we're seeing in a lot of other areas as um, uh, journalism becomes uh, a, a sort of rare uh Uh, Well, good journalism becomes a rarity uh, as as, uh, people are just rewriting media releases and the PR departments of uh, businesses and government outpace um, the ability for journalists to keep up with stories. And and this is absolutely the case in the uh, psychedelic renaissance where some of the big corporations, the big businesses and and the big uh, astroturfed kind of organisations out there who are anything but grassroots are um, writing their own narrative, writing their own stories and those that are doing reports and not doing the reporting. They're rewriting media releases. Uh, This is a danger. This is a danger to the democracy. It's a danger to good information. It's a danger to our ability to assess what's actually happening because if those who are selling something or those who have a specific agenda are writing uh, the information that you then read about, then you're never hearing a counter-narrative. You're never hearing the questions that should be asked of what's going on. So the article, again, is at symposia.com. It's psychedelic media should stop parroting corporate press releases. Uh, by David Nichols. Go and check that one out. Um, We'll be back next week from 2pm, catching up with the Progressive Public Health Alliance, uh, speaking all things uh, harm reduction and um, advocacy and activism. Please enjoy the rest of your Sunday and uh, we'll see you next week. Queering the Air, up next. See ya. This is Psychedelia. For more information, visit Encyclopedia.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Encyclopedia does not condone or condemn people who use drugs for their choices.
Our aim is to present the diverse intersections of psychoactive drugs and society. If you are concerned about your own drug use or a friend's drug use, Direct Line provides a free and confidential counselling service 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Call 1-800-888-236. And Psychedelia will be back on 3CR from 2pm next Sunday. 2pm next Sunday. This has been a 3CR podcast. You can hear in Psychedelia live every Sunday from 2pm. Head to 3cr.org.au for more.